Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show, episode 260. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, episode one, A Normal Amount of Rage, directed by Kat Coiro, written by Jessica Gao, who has created this series for television, and She-Hulk, Attorney at Law is a Kevin Feige production. Before our spoiler review begins, want to remind you about Fan Show Plus, the exclusive podcast for premium subscribers, at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, or on Apple Podcasts, where you can hear us talk about other MCU things, other MCU news and topics that may not always make it into MCU fan show, especially when we are so busy with these spoiler reviews. So check that out, patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, or if you search for the MCU fan show channel or fan show plus uh, on Apple Podcasts, you can find it there and subscribe and get those shows. Also, please remember to follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to share their review. And now, on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman? I'm doing great. It's been uh, it's been a little bit since we've been on the show. I think we our la- was our last episode the San Diego Comic Con episode. Uh, that was our last show together. Yeah, I was able yes. to. I flew solo for one little uh, follow up show after that. But yeah, it was a little bit of a little bit of a break after some a, a busy first half yeah. of the year between Moon Knight and Miss Marvel. But now we've got nine episodes of She Hulk to do spoiler reviews for, starting with yeah. this one, and then. Once this uh, season of She-Hulk wraps up, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, once it wraps up, it won't be that long until we get Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and then Mm -hmm. we will have the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special on Disney+, and there's also going to be, well, after we get through what remains of 2022, uh, that's next year, I think we're going to get another season of uh, What If, so we don't have... It's wow, what a silly thing to say. We don't have that much left this year. We've only yeah. got all these episodes of She-Hulk, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which I am very excited about. We also had the I Am Groot animated shorts on Disney Plus. I don't know if you checked those out. I thought they were funny. I, I enjoyed them for what they were. Um, but um anyway. But well, really, I mean, really quickly. Oh no, really, well, just really, oh go ahead. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, I wanted to say thank you to everyone that was really, really positive about our, our that that yeah. episode we did. A lot of people were reaching out to me saying how awesome that was, and it was a lot of. Fun. I mean, we had a blast doing it. We did. Um, but you and, can and hear I it. I hope. Say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope so too. But thank you to everyone who said nice things and mm-hmm. uh, got a really great response. And uh, yeah, well, we'll maybe, maybe we'll do it again if, if the, you know D23. I'm not. You'll be at D23. D23 As of right now, right. yeah, I am currently scheduled to be inside Hall D23 for the Marvel Studios and and Lucasfilm presentation, which is going to be on Saturday, September 10th. So uh, I'll be reacting from there, although usually with D23, they... It's not quite like Comic-Con, like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember if what it was like a few years ago, but I remember... Maybe maybe it wasn't like this in 2019. I'm I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank on, on what it was like three years ago, other than the news it was announced, but... Actually, I don't think we had to, but in previous years of D23, you had unless you were in like the approved press section or whatever where you could have your laptop or whatever, like a lot of times people had to bag their phones and stuff like that. Yeah, so I think, it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. even tough. I don't even know what the situation is going to be like this year as far as 
can I even live tweet the thing <laughs> or whatever yeah. uh, it may be? I'll, I'll have to see uh, when we get there, or maybe it's already posted on the D23 Expo website. But nevertheless, uh, whatever is revealed at D23 Expo, and I do expect it to be more than what was there in 2019. Not that 2019 was nothing. That's where they announced Moon Knight and Miss Marvel mm-hmm. and this show that we're talking about now, She-Hulk, or we're about to talk about, uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and then the movie side was just a, a preview of uh, just a preview, just a preview of Black Widow. But um, there are a lot of blanks on the phase six portion of the phase five and six schedule that I think Kevin Feige will probably fill in during that D23 Expo presentation. And also yeah. worth noting, even the stuff that was announced at Comic-Con as exciting as all of that was, and again, hopefully you you heard it, and I, I share Paul's thanks and you know gratitude for everybody who reached out. We had never really done anything like that, and so it was fun to, we had a lot of fun doing it. I'm glad people had fun listening to it, especially because you were ahead of us. Like, you're like, when are these guys going to react to this thing? Oh, yeah, they just found out about it. Um, so I'm glad, uh, I'm really glad that uh, people were were able to enjoy it, but a lot of what we got were just kind of titles and release dates. So there are there's casting, there's character rosters and things like that that Kevin Feige could provide uh, more information on. Uh, it's just amongst the things that they may cover at D23 Expo in addition to, um, or perhaps instead of doing that, they may just fill in more of the blanks uh, on the schedule and for phase six, as I said. So I'm excited about the news that's coming. And we already know, just talking about how the rest of this year is going to go, then we turn the calendar over into 2023. And as we noted on that show for Comic-Con, 2023 is just slammed with mm-hmm. uh, with Marvel content. And uh, no coincidence that uh, at the end of this year, uh, we all got to start paying more for Disney+. Plus. So <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that's what happens. You know, you, these shows are expensive. Yeah. You got to pay for it. So uh, anyway, you know, it, it, it is what it is. And speaking of that, on one of the more recent episodes of Fan Show Plus, I do talk about the Disney Plus uh, price hikes. So uh, it works out for uh, for Disney with this timing, as I said, not uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that these price hikes take effect not long before Disney Plus has the biggest year ever, just in terms of the volume of Marvel Studios series and Star Wars series uh, that are going to be available on the platform Uh, next year. But let's focus on this year, the here and now, this very first episode of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. I really, I've seen four episodes because I I was able to get the screeners. So I have to compartmentalize and pretend I only know things from episode one. uh, So which I've done successfully in the past. And and I believe I, I can do that here. But I, I sat down to watch the show last weekend and I, I think those of you who've heard me on the show, you know where I've been at with this. I, from the jump, love the casting of Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, because I thought she was really terrific on Orphan Black. And from a comedic perspective, enjoyed her guest spot on Parks and Recreation. So I've always thought very highly of her as an actor and just knew that she would do a great job in this role. And I like the character of She-Hulk, the comic books of She-Hulk, and everything uh, about this series looked like it was going to be a win until we saw the first trailer and the CG was troubling for me. And I wasn't sure if it was going to improve enough to be at a level where it wouldn't distract me from the show. 
And I'm happy to report that, well, you saw it in the first episode, the VFX, I still wouldn't say that they are absolutely perfect and the best thing that we've ever seen in the MCU. But as we saw in the trailer from Comic-Con, we already saw a marked improvement in the CG there. And it looks even better now in the finished product of the show. And it's certainly good enough that it doesn't take away from the rest of the show, which is awesome. I had so much fun watching those four episodes of She-Hulk, just ripped right through them uh, because it, I was having a blast. I was laughing really, really hard. I think the show is hilarious. I also think it does a good job with really important character moments without necessarily, it doesn't necessarily beat you over the head with the more emotional things that it reveals, but I think it does a good job of balancing and, and making really good points and being very insightful in its approach to these characters, while at the same time just being so wildly entertaining and, and fun and funny. And this is such a great series. And uh, I would have to say of the four, this episode is probably my favorite, but that's probably that's mainly because it's got a lot of Hulk in it too. In addition to She-Hulk, I love you know both Hulks. And so being able to see them together in this, I mean, the interaction between, by the way, Bruce Banner and Jennifer Walters, Mark Ruffalo and Tatiana Maslany, uh, their chemistry was just off the charts in this uh, in this episode, and it made it such an enjoyable watch. So I loved it. And uh, Paul, you were just, you know, as vague as ever uh, in your thoughts on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell the people, Paul, what'd you think? Well, I, I got to tell you, I love this. I love this episode. And it, it does kind of uh bum me out that this, this is your favorite episode because i only want it to get better uh, it, it's here. not but it's purely for my hulk bias so for those that's fair for okay, everybody fair. who's been uh, listening to the show for a long time hulk was my favorite character my favorite marvel hero growing up and like that's the one that got me into marvel the whole time so anytime hulk is in something like that's more likely to you know it's more likely than not to end up being a favorite so it, it, that's why it's not because this is the best episode of the four. I can't even pretend to be objective. It's like She-Hulk was awesome in this and I got awesome, you know, Hulk, smart Hulk, whatever you want to call him. Uh, that's oh, what God, makes we'll get, this we'll my favorite. There. It's purely from a fan, you know, my own lifelong fan perspective of mm. Bruce Banner as the Hulk. You know, and I think that to me is is maybe why I, I love the two potentially because I, you know, I'm a huge Hulk fan too. We're kind of, we were same similar, similar age. We grew up reading Hulk comics, the same era, Peter David. So we have a huge fondness for the character in general, you know, beyond Peter David, but you know, the cartoons and whatnot. Yeah. I love the Hulk. Always love the Hulk. So with she Hulk though, you know, this character that I kind of discovered kind of later, um, I always, I never like disliked or liked the character growing up. I just didn't really, she's always an Avenger. And always associated with her as an Avenger and in Fantastic Four too, but mainly an Avenger. And it wasn't until I read the John Byrne Fantastic Four run that where she joins up later on after Secret Wars, interesting, uh, that she I really like liked the character more and more. And John Byrne then later on wrote the ongoing series for uh, She-Hulk that this series draws heavily from. And then Dan Slott also used a lot of inspiration from as well. It to me is the basis, I think, of this whole show. It's definitely from what we're, you know, after the first episode, I only got John Byrne vibes in the best way possible. So, and maybe that's why I loved it. I, I love this show. I It was so funny watching the this, this episode because 
I I saw some you know a lot of the you know these, the weird backlash of the the people upset about whatever reason before it even came out and I and I you know but I saw the critical you know praise and things like that and like I've said for Miss Marvel you know the MCU needs to evolve it can't stay the same and I applaud you know we don't know if this will work out for the MCU as far as the mainstream audience of working for us I think so far Sean for us hardcore fans. But as for, you know, mainstream MCU fans, it remains to be seen if it's like going to, if these differences of these, these shows like Moon Knight to Miss Marvel and the She-Hulk, if it's going to make a difference for people. Because, you know, we, but we'll see. But I think it's a good thing that Marvel is doing this because they need to branch out and tell different kinds of stories because that's what the comics had to do. Because you keep producing the same stuff, no one's going to, it's all uninteresting. We'll right? get bored so, too. It's exactly. Not, it's not yeah. even just the mainstream, you know, audience that's just out there as this other thing to to think about and consider. And it's worth it because like it's worth considering because you want general audiences to like these things because that's what allows us to have these things. Like we by ourselves are not enough to make these things like worthwhile to the companies to make them as profitable as they need to be and, and on down the line because this is still a business. So I, I understand all of that and, and I understand the value of it. But I also think you know, specifically for those of us who are just hyper engaged as MCU fans. Like, yeah, we don't want the same stuff over and over again either. Like we will get tired of it. And so I think it's a great point, as you said, like it needs to evolve. And uh, one note for not a representative sample in the least, but like, you know, I sat and watched these episodes with my wife who had an absolute blast with it. And, you know, she watches everything MCU, but, and not just because of me, she had been caught when she and I met, she was already caught up as where things were in the MCU up until that point. But at the same time, like not, she doesn't need a podcast about it. Like I do. We'll put it that way. She, she can say enough about the MCU and then be able to move on with the rest of her day. Um, but I, I think she had a, a blast with it. I think a lot of people are going to check it out. And I don't know. I mean, we'll see what, um, you know, whatever third party analytics numbers, Nielsen and everything else of uh, how many people have streamed the show in the first week and all of those things. Uh, all those things will come out. Not that we really get uh, super great numbers that we know a whole lot about because it's not like Disney is necessarily going to share the numbers unless there's something really worth bragging about. But I think the show is going to do well and I think it's going to find its audience. And if it doesn't find it right away, it's still there on the service to to find it over time. And you know, it gives people more time to find it as they want to in, in their own time. But yeah, I think this was a strong first outing. And I think what I also really liked about it, Paul, is you know, way back, I don't know if this was during D23 Expo, but Kevin Feige has talked about the show a long time as a half hour comedy and a half hour, you know, legal comedy or whatever. Not that you get that much into the legal system in in this part of uh, of the story with this first episode, since most of the time is just spent with uh, She-Hulk and, and Smart Hulk, but um, this is really true to form and kind of being its own thing. And it felt like a half-hour comedy. It played like it had a lot of jokes, um, a lot of jokes per minute, and the jokes worked. I, I was really laughing like pretty hard at a lot of the stuff that they were uh, doing here. Uh, I thought this was really funny. And as a half-hour comedy, I'm excited to watch it in that format. Never mind the part that it's the MCU and it's She-Hulk and it's a bunch of characters I like. Um, I think if I had never heard of these characters before, I still would have enjoyed this show because it was, yeah. it was genuinely funny. I, one of the things I saw, um, an artist I grew up loving and I don't always agree with him now as I've gotten older, Eric Larson, I love his Spider-Man. 
draws Savage Dragon, a huge, you know, great artistic, you know, influence of comic books. Uh, he said that he thought the, the stuff between Hulk and She-Hulk dragged. I thought it was so funny because I thought the entire show had a great energy to it and a pacing that was perfect. Uh, the pacing uh, was on point. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. I thought it was really funny that, you know, he had that perspective. Again, so it's all different, subjective, whatever. But I just think it, in comparison to like the 40 minute shows and the hour shows of between st even Star Wars and, and the MCU, it's just I thought that was it actually benefited from the quicker pace. And I was able to engage a little bit more because um, because here's the thing. It, I, I'm all about the episodes need to be as long as they need to be. I mean, I think Stranger Things is a great example of that of the you know season four. They're super long. They're great and they're well written, but they're perfect for that kind of storytelling. What their what their specific story. I don't. And again, I'm not sure if the MCU follows that or needs to. But I will say, a lot of times less is more. And I feel that the more can maybe the more condensed storytelling of a half hour. Because when people hear half hour, maybe there's that old connotation of the old days of like, it's only a half hour long because we had commercials, right? Yeah. So it only yeah. be 22 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, so a half hour is actually a pretty solid, you know, thing, you know, it is it, a good pace to it. Cause I, I looked at, look at the, um, uh, star Wars, the Mandalorian, right? One of my, some of my favorite episodes of theirs is probably, um, of that, of that, of the whole series is probably the shorter episodes. Cause they're just, it's yeah. quick and I like it. So seeing that with this show, and obviously you have to do that, I think because of, uh, of the CGI, um, it works. And I think it might be looking worth looking into a little bit of like, and not, and as a fan, I, I do, I just want to say, you know, look at from our, pers this perspective of if you have a quicker pace, it may just flow better. If it flows better, it might tell the story better. And therefore you don't, if it don't be alarmed, if it's only half hour now, if it's if you're trying to wrap things up like in a season finale, it makes more sense to kind of, you know, maybe have that be a little bit longer than a half hour. But at the same time, it needs to be what, along, as long as it needs to be. But I, I felt like the half hour pace actually maybe benefited the show to have that quicker, you know, uh, just kind of it's more of a better flow overall. Yeah. Well, that's what allows it to be what it is, what it is in yeah. terms of a comedy. Right. Comedies are typically half an hour. And so that's and even WandaVision, right? WandaVision was half hour episodes, you know, some of them stretched to being uh, a little bit longer, um, but cer too, certainly yeah. in the, certainly in the very beginning, you know, they were a lot closer to a half hour or some of them a little bit under it, but that kind of made sense because especially in the early episodes of the show, they were very much trying to stay on pace with the, the whole artifice of the sitcom reality and, and everything like that. So it totally fit for WandaVision. This now fits for this show with what they're doing with She-Hulk. And I know for budgetary purposes, like they kind of need to make a decision. Is this the one hour drama show or is this the half hour comedy show? Because that allows them to allocate, well, half hour comedy will do nine episodes, one hour drama or most of the time a little less than an hour. And that's uh, going to be six episodes and that's what we'll budget for. So having some type of format for these shows allow them to kind of decide how to budget and allocate resources for it. So I get it. That's part of just the the business of making these things, which isn't the most exciting thing to think about as a fan, but it's part of the reality, the framework uh, to steal an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reference that we are, that we're working with here. But yeah, you got to make the decision of, of what's right for the show. And that's why, you know, run times for me, I, I just don't care when you just when you all you have is a number of how long an episode is or whatever, it's arbitrary at that point. Like it doesn't mean anything until you actually see it. Now, 
If it's an hour show and it fills up that hour with great material, awesome. If it drags, less awesome. And if it's a half hour, then yeah, you, you don't have that much time, certainly, for, uh, for filler, but you've still got to make use of uh, proper use of whatever time that you have. And I think they totally do that in this episode. And you know, to each their own, as you noted, Paul, it is subjective, but in terms of the pacing, I've seen this episode a few times now, and it just breezes by every single time. Like even now, I, I know all the beats of this episode. I could go watch it right now and enjoy it just as much and, and not feel the length of the episode at all because it just, I mean, it's not that long to begin with. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the pacing of it is just so on point. It was starting with the the opening. It's an opening argument that really is actually Jennifer Walters practicing her closing argument. So here's in terms of a, a note for pacing, 20 minutes into the podcast, we're finally talking about the individual scenes <laughs> for this episode, uh, but we uh, digress as we often do. So as far as this uh, this opening, Jennifer Walters preparing for battle against, uh, well, GLKNH is the attorneys for the opposing side, and she's giving her speech about the obligation of those with power and comes to the conclusion that those with the most power have the most to answer for. Shades of with great power comes great responsibility, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then uh, her paralegal, Nikki, played by Ginger Gonzaga, is impressed. But uh, Dennis is less impressed. But who really cares what Dennis thinks? But still, good job uh, playing the jerk for, by uh, Drew Matthews as the, uh, the actor there uh, playing Dennis. But... Right away, like in terms of introducing these characters, Dennis is a good, like goofy office antagonist. And I love Nikki as the friend, the paralegal, who's like right there, totally supporting Jen the whole way. Like my little baby genius is going to be a district attorney one day. All of that was awesome. And then encouraging the Hulk out, uh, which, you know, teases what's to come. And then we get through it where Jennifer excuses herself uh, from Dennis and from Nikki and then breaks the fourth wall and says, like, I am a Hulk, and here's how that happened. And this is a big step, Paul, I think, for the MCU. I mean, first off, just the opening scene, I liked her speech. That was good. I like being introduced, as I said. I, I think Nikki is a really fun character, as you'll see throughout this episode and, and throughout uh, subsequent episodes. Ginger Gonzaga does a great job playing that character. And then having Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters, I mean, you see it right there. It's kind of a very serious hero speech that she's giving at the very beginning of this. But then we jump right into the fun of like, yeah, I'm a Hulk and here's what's going on. But the way they break the fourth wall in this, and I want to address this now because I know some people are going to say or have been complaining, oh, this is She-Hulk copying Deadpool. No, oh, She-Hulk has done this in the comics also. I don't even, Paul, you might remember better than I do. I don't remember who did it first you know, She-Hulk or Deadpool in Marvel Comics. I cannot remember. Oh, God, She-Hulk. Yeah. 1,000% so, Yeah, that's what I thought. So, like, it, it's not a... Deadpool doesn't own that thing. I know has kind of owned that thing from the perspective of movies that people have seen, uh, at least Marvel-based movies that people have seen. Uh, but no, it's it's been part of She-Hulk for a very long time in the comic books. And also, I love the way they did this. Like, I love the way that she just did it in this episode. Now, it's not the first time she's done it because we see in the flashback later on what the first time probably was. But in terms of how you introduce this concept to the MCU, because we don't have this in the MCU, Wanda very briefly broke the fourth wall in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but that was just eye contact with the camera. 
that was not her actually speaking to the audience the way that Jennifer Walters has done in this opening scene. And I love that she just did it. Not like, oh, this is a brand new thing for the MCU and we have to have some big explanation for how she's able to do this. It's just, Mm -hmm. no, she's just doing it. And I think that was the perfect way to introduce it because there's no real way for it to make sense that now all of a sudden a character is speaking to us, uh, those of us who are outside the story, um, it, there's no real mechanics of it for how exactly it makes sense for it to work, and there doesn't need to be. It, it works because we it allows us to have this relationship with this character, and it allows a certain level of, of irreverence to be part of this story, as, as you'll see as it goes on. But yeah, that, that moment and the way they just had her go out right away and do it from the jump in this opening scene, I thought was the right way to do it. Yeah, I, you know, you can't explain it, um, but we'll get into that in a second um, when we get her transformation, because I want to talk about that, because I thought they handled it pretty well, to be honest, because um, right here, she's already a Hulk, right? So I like the fact that she has to explain it to the audience. I thought it was uh, a great introduction to Jennifer Walters, because, and, you know, Maslany's range is, I mean, I have had never seen her in anything, and I know I've only heard praises from everybody, and it's, I can see out the gate, she's charismatic. She can act. She can go. She can go from funny to sad to you know to serious very quickly, and it's all very smooth. And I just I have to say I'm, I came away extremely impressed from her right off the bat. And I just I think she is perfect, perfect. Like She Hulk Jennifer Walters. I can't. I everything from the trailers. I. I and everyone knows if you listen to the show, I like the trailers. And the CGI yes looked rough, but I loved everything that I was seeing from it. Everything. It felt like She-Hulk to me from that world that John Byrne and Dan Slott had helped kind of cultivate and create and everything. And then as even outside of her own comics, you know, in, as an Avenger or Fantastic Four, it felt like that energy and her personality was there. And that's all right off the we get off the gate, um, out of the gate here. And I did, I did like you said, Sean. I thought going straight into it, not explaining it is perfect because I don't think you can explain it. You just have to go into it. And I thought it was a great uh, kind of uh, breaking the ice, if you know, if you will, uh, if to do it the way they did, because you're she has to explain to the audience, hey, I'm a Hulk. But let me let me break it down. Let me show you why. And I like Mm -hmm. that idea because it gets you. I think it engages with not from the man babies who are upset about a She-Hulk character, but like. I'm talking about the people who are just like watching the show casually. It helps engage with the audience. It immediately makes you like go, Oh, like she's talking to me. And like, I know I sound stupid, but really it's really helps you engage with the character and connect with them. Even though you don't know them at all. And you're supposed to, you know, you have to kind of get to know them. It's a great way to do that. And it's different. And we haven't seen it in the MCU. And as far as Deadpool goes, you know, I I'm going to say this right now. And early on in his career, when he was introduced in the early nineties, that breaking the fourth wall, if I remember correctly, was not, you know, him through X-Force comics and New Mutants into his own miniseries that was written by, you know, Fabian Naizia. I'm going to butcher his name. Naizia is a great art writer, writer, though. I love him. Um, he, you know, I don't think he broke the fourth wall. I don't think it was until Joe Kelly did until late 90s that they really emphasized the breaking of the fourth wall that would kind of grew from there. So and John Byrne definitely broke fourth wall stuff. Right. Just the covers alone. Um, you know, from She-Hulk's in the 90s. So in the early 90s. So She-Hulk, you know, w- she didn't only initially started as breaking the fourth wall, like when she was introduced in her own like major main series from the 70s. But when John Byrne got her, that's when he started having more fun and, and is kind of poking fun at the industry and, and, and the concepts of everything a lot more. And so, yeah, I, I think to me, 
it fits She-Hulk. And I think it's a great way to get inside not just of her head, but the heads of all the other characters too, and kind of understand like the world of the MCU uh, as a whole. Because like, you know, really quick before we move on, I just want to add one more thing. Because we're going to be introduced to a whole different section. I mean, I don't, I, I get, I know no spoilers, but we're going to be introduced to a whole different section of the MCU through She-Hulk in many different ways. So I feel that this is a great way to kind of introduce and intertwine everything. And also with the GLAH, I also think it's a great nod, and I'm curious how that's going to all affect with the uh, if it's a reference to the Great Lakes Avengers, who are characters that are in the MC or in the Marvel comics, but also are going to be in the show. I heard as well. I just rumored. So the fact that that's also a name in here, I'm like, okay. So the Great Lake Avengers are probably going to be showing up in some form of fashion potentially in the series or in the MCU at some point. So thought that was interesting so just kind of throwing it out there as well but yeah i thought there's a great introduction to the series yeah and glknh is that's the firm that she hulk has worked for in the comic books and so in this first episode she is against them and then maybe that uh, the fact that she worked for them in the comic books maybe gives you a hint of of where things mm. will go uh from mm. here but um as we as uh jennifer walters alludes to there's stuff that she needs to catch us up on. So we cut back to a few months ago, and it's a car ride. Jennifer Walters and her cousin Bruce, yes, that Bruce, as in Banner. And we see that he has created this device to keep himself in human form to allow his arm to heal, similar to what we saw in his mid-credit scene appearance in Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. And they go over the uh, the genius decision of having Cheeto of eating Cheetos with chopsticks. I did not have Cheeto fingers. And then we get into, and this is where you're just purely in half-hour comedy territory, and they keep building on this joke throughout the episode, culminating in the mid-credit scene of this episode, that whole question that's long been debated on the internet of whether or not Steve Rogers was a virgin and actually died a virgin. And uh, I, I like that Hulk actually has not so much wanting to engage in this conversation, but how he refers to Steve Rogers as my friend and colleague, and how when he refers to Tony later on in the episode, he says Tony Stark. So Bruce Banner really likes to name drop, uh, is definitely a, a key takeaway in this episode. But as they are going through this, we get a spaceship that we later find out from Hulk is a Sakaran Class A uh, courier craft that he's going to have to look into that was probably trying to deliver a message. But... Um, it didn't, the message wasn't received here as Jennifer Walters ends up having to swerve uh, to avoid the spaceship. And then we have the car accident. As she gets out of the car, Jen is cut. Uh, also, Bruce's inhibitor is busted. So he's kind of starting in the early phases of a Hulk out. And he is bleeding and he bleeds into the open wound on Jennifer Walters. And thus we have She-Hulk. And also Banner is turning into Hulk at this point in time. So this is a departure from the comic books a little bit, which was, uh, it was a blood transfusion in, way back in, in Marvel comic books of how Bruce Banner uh, gave, you know, allowed his cousin uh, unintentionally to become She-Hulk. I like this change in the origin because the whole thing about the blood transfusion, I don't even, I, I don't remember exactly how it played out in, in the comic books other than the blood transfusion, but it was always seemed like a bad idea to do that. And I'm, I'm sure in the comic books, they wrote something for why, like everybody's aware of the risks, but there's no other choice. Um, but I just liked how fast this was. And, and I like that it's like you overcome all the arguments of why would you even do this when you know that it's uh, there's a huge issue because 
if nothing else, right? You don't even know that if she can become a Hulk, but if she can't become a Hulk, then she's going to die from being poisoned by all of that gamma radiation that is in Bruce Banner's blood. Uh, so it's not a good thing to happen. It's entirely accidental in the way that they set this up. So I like the mechanics of this. And also, I just really like the scene. I, I talked about the the chemistry between Bruce Banner and uh, and Jennifer Walters, between Tatiana Maslany as Jen, uh, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce. We've never really seen Bruce Banner have family in the MCU. Like he's got his, you know, family and he's got his friends who became his family with the Avengers, like with Tony and everybody else. But we've never really seen him have uh, a relative that he just has this very familiar, just cool relationship with and, and have this kind of back and forth. We never really get to see Bruce be this casual in a relationship with somebody and in terms of just his interactions with somebody and be so comfortable uh, in those things. So it was great to see that. And also just we've known Bruce Banner for a long time in the MCU. So the idea that we're going to introduce a character who's brand new and be able to pull off the idea that she and Bruce have actually known each other for a long time and are very close. It's hard to get an audience to buy that. Like, that's not an easy thing to accomplish in a scene. And so it has to be a strong writing by Jessica Gao. And it also really needs a lot of help from the performances, no matter what, mm -hmm. for us to believe that, yeah, these two characters have known each other for a, a long time and are very close, even though we've been watching Bruce Banner for you know a decade and a half in the MCU. And up until this point, didn't even know that Jennifer Walters existed. How do you sell that? It's through the writing. But then also, as I said, it's the performances. They have to jump off the page. And I think that Maslany and Ruffalo totally did that in this scene. So the how she became She-Hulk, I think totally works. Uh, but more importantly for me uh, in this scene is just seeing these two characters being uh, being together in, in this way. And and I, I totally buy that these two are family. And it makes me wonder why we haven't seen Jennifer Walters in all this time. But Obviously, and a lot of that was uh, Bruce's own isolation, his own journey. But I, I just totally buy them as, as close cousins uh, at the start of at, at the very at the jump for this. Well, and I listen. I do think that they, there's potential that they reconnected after some time uh, after he he came back to Earth. I think he probably you know obviously she's a little bit younger than he is, and I say a little bit probably about ten years potentially. Again, probably I think there's probably more than ten years between them uh, in real life, but let's I'll just say give or take ten years ish, and they could have reconnected after he came back to Earth and was you know um, able to kind of hang out for a while between Professor Hulk and you know and whatever. So I never took it you know I always take it as you know face value a little bit. Kind of you know, but you're right. You have to you know I don't freak out the fact that here I met your family blah 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 I mean like you don't people don't just casually be like oh yeah my cousin blah 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 all right. the time I don't I mean that's at least my casual conversation so especially when I'm you know, fighting for the end of the world and universe I'm going to bring it up so I mean I don't know I, I if L worked for me I thought it was fine um, you know again it could be I, I took it as after the blip or around that time frame that he wanted to connect with you know his family again and maybe that's the only family he has so it all worked. It all works for me to kind of get to yeah. that, to get to well, that. And point. for years, he couldn't contact anyone, right? Because exactly. he was being hunted. So, yeah, I, it's not so much to me like I, I don't really have that much question of how we didn't know about it. It's more of just the compliment to it of, yeah, they haven't yes. been able to connect and we haven't been able to see this character before. But when we finally see them together, it totally works. And like you, you yeah. totally buy this relationship.
Yeah, and the thing is with with the whole um, the whole origin change and whatnot, I did think that um, it was it was fine. I I was a little kind of like, huh. They at first I didn't like how it happened because it wasn't explained, but then when they explained, I went, okay, okay, I get it now. It makes a little more sense. I was like, it's that it? Like that? That's that's all it takes to become a Hulk? Wow, you know. Um, but you know, there's I, the way Bruce explained it later on. I went, okay, that makes more sense. We'll get to that in a yeah, second. Yeah. Well, but, you can't get that explanation in in this scene, right? Because right. You, but at first, I was like. Eh, know about this yeah Uh, i I also like how when she first turned to she hulk they treated it like she's a hulk in the context that we know for banner right like the savage she hulk sort of thing um even though we we only barely see it and same thing for you know the next scene at the sports bar but i like the way they introduced it as this is going to be like the monster problem that bruce dealt with for so many years and then, of course, we see that, no, it's actually not that. It's a totally different uh, It's a totally different experience for Jennifer Walters than it has been uh, for Bruce Banner. And, and then when we get to the sports bar, the mm-hmm. ideal sports bar, Jen goes in, cleans herself up with the help some, uh, from some new friends. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah, that was great. Um, was I, I also love that, you know, you, I, the shoes, line of, honey? yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, li- the line of like, you need shoes because this is a public bathroom. I was like, yeah. oh my God. I was like, Ugh. yeah, that's pretty gross what's happening right now. So, uh, you know, thanks to the hero with the shoes. Um, yes. Also, by the way, if you want a free digital copy of the Savage She-Hulk number one, that QR code that's on the wall when Jen first walks in, just scan that. Um, I like that they're doing this. They did that. They did that on Moon Knight as well. Like Marvel is just dropping QR codes for free comic books uh, in the show, which is great. Hopefully, it gets yeah. people to to read more comic books. Read um, more comics. But then uh, Jen is waiting outside for her ride. Bruce Banner. She's going to call her cousin. Um, and then the creepers start creeping uh, and want just want to talk. Just want to be friendly. Uh, nothing friendly about you know pursuing somebody who uh, does not want to talk to you and is trying to walk away from you. So, but. Um, Jennifer Walters is able to, uh, when threatened, uh, she she hulks out, and uh, before, uh, and I think she ends up hitting a couple of those guys, but they had it coming, uh, and then she gets tackled, presumably by the Hulk that Banner just turned uh, back into, um, so all of that sequence I, I thought was really cool, and then Jennifer wakes up in Mexico, and we find out that this is where Bruce Banner spent the blip. And this is where the science, you know, Tony built it for him. So it's a lot of, there's a lot of science bro stuff going on here, uh, which I love those references of how Tony and Bruce spent some time together during the blip. Uh, but this is where he merged Bruce Banner with the Hulk and found the harmony between the two that became Smart Hulk. And as I mentioned, you know, when he says Tony built it for me a few years ago, Tony Stark, the name dropping of Bruce Banner is amazing. It's like he really wants to impress his cousin uh, who couldn't couldn't care less about his superhero friends other than that one essential question about uh, Steve Rogers. And the explanation that you were referring to, Paul, is that they share a rare combination of genetic factors that allow them to uh, synthesize gamma radiation. There was actually a funny bit before that when he was talking about how that amount of gamma radiation should be lethal, and then he pauses, and so she freaks out thinking she's going to die and then has to tell him, like, that's a really bad place to take a pause. That was a really, really funny line. Uh, but anyway, they share this rare combination that allow of genetic factors allowing them to synthesize, synthesize, if I could speak, gamma radiation, but Jens does it differently in a better way, as she points out, 
uh, because Smart Hulk was able to take some of her blood when he was studying the way that her blood synthesizes gamma radiation, and he was able to use that to heal his arm. So his his arm is better now, uh, and he is now Smug Hulk, according to Jennifer Walters, because only a smug person would refer to himself as Smart Hulk, and he says he didn't give the name, but she points out she uses it, implied endorsement, and he says, don't lawyer me, all that stuff, really, really funny. And then we see Smart Hulk destroying what was left of Jen's blood samples. And he says, it's way too dangerous with the ominous music playing. It's way too dangerous to get out in the world, even if there's only a millionth percent chance that it makes another one of us. Put a pin in that. I'm going to come right back to it. But um, anyway, Jen wants to fix this. But Bruce Banner, Smart Hulk, is telling her that there's no going back. So the explanation I thought worked for the Bruce Banner, Banner blood, gamma, you know, gamma radiation science, you know, pseudoscience of it all for MCU purposes, that explanation works for me, but obviously it's also setting up other things. When a character says, especially in the first episode of a series, it sure would be bad if this thing were to happen, even if it's such a small chance that it would happen, it'd be so bad, that bad thing is going to happen at some point. I don't know if it's in this series. I don't know if it is in the, you know, somewhere else, some other project of the MCU, but this is part of the comic books and it's already part of the MCU, right? Ross wanted to get, uh, wanted to be able to recreate what Bruce Banner was becoming the Hulk, that being general and then secretary of state Ross in the MCU. And there are plenty of other characters in Hulk mythology who have wanted to get their hands on some Hulk blood to create more Hulks. And now that we are in a world where you have characters who are part of the Hulk world now being able to come into this in a bigger way, thanks in part to this show, like obviously it's already been announced, Abomination is in the show you saw in the trailers, so I'm not saying, I'm not spoiling anything from the future, this is all stuff that's been announced, but there's other characters that they haven't necessarily alluded to in this show that I think some of this stuff could be setting up. One of our, uh, one of my favorite characters, and I'm sure one of yours, Paul, is that big-brained guy, the leader, uh, Dr. Samuel Stearns, who was played by uh, Tim Blake Nelson back in The Incredible Hulk. Never saw that guy again after we saw his head expanding in The Incredible Hulk. I feel like there's a pathway to that guy coming back, and that is one character who is particularly obsessed with getting some Hulk blood to create more Hulks. Um, but also, if you're talking about creating another one of us, there have been a lot of Hulk-ish, gamma, monster-type characters, but I, I think the one that fans have been most eagerly anticipating is a Hulk who goes by a completely different color, uh, who you know completes the Christmas color scheme where Smart Hulk and, and She-Hulk take on the green. There is a Red Hulk who, spoiler alert from the comic books, that's Ross. I don't think it would be that in the MCU because uh, you know William Hurt has has passed away, um, and I don't expect them to. I don't expect them to recast. So it may be another character who becomes Red Hulk at some point, but. And I don't know that this is what gets us to Red Hulk. I do think Red Hulk will eventually pop up somewhere in the MCU. But this could be the thread that gets us there. Um, and it may not necessarily be by the end of the show. It may be a longer-term play uh, somewhere else in the MCU. I'm not sure. But my own little Hulk brain, when I started hearing about that little tease about, uh, you <laughs> know, what, about how bad it would be if somebody got some of Jennifer Walters' blood, 
what that would mean, I, I just couldn't help but go into a lot of that super hulky speculation territory. Mm-hmm. It was hard not to. It, it, this is why I love superheroes, because all the stuff, right? And I think that one of the funny things about uh, the the movies is that they're kind of almost becoming the comic series in the, how they tell stories and, and everything in a, in a very, because it's all uh, serialized, right? But what I find it hilarious is, this is a great example of the Incredible Hulk film, right? Obviously, that, that's been kind of ignored for a number of different reasons up until recently, right? With Abomination. What's hilarious is that like in the comic books, well, what happened is they've introduced these villains, right, Sean? You, you're familiar with this. And then no one would touch the character for like 10 years. Yeah, because no one had an idea of, for it. Exactly. And then all of a sudden that person, a character would show up and all of a sudden be like a fan favorite and be like, oh my God. And it's become, and everyone thinks like, oh, this character has been the arch nemesis for like, you know, forever. And you look back and go, oh, the leader actually didn't show up or not. That's the leader specifically, but something like that where a character won't show up forever. And then it's all of a sudden like, oh, that character actually what, it didn't show up again until like, you know, eight years later. And so what's, that's why I thought it was so interesting is that you're setting up the leader. You bring, you're bringing back abomination. It, the movies are becoming the comics in that way because again, you don't have good ideas or you have, there's issues with rights or whatever. Um, I know there's a lot of rumors going on with with Hulk rights and whatnot. If that is in fact true, and yeah, it seems like. Let's do a quick recap of the right situation for those who may not know. So, what are the issues that we're referring to here? So, Hulk, the movie rights and everything were originally bought. Well, originally owned by Marvel, licensed to Universal, and that's why Universal made a Hulk film in 2003. But they did not make a. They did not eventually did not. They decided not to make a sequel to that movie because it didn't do all that great. So then the rights reverted back to Marvel. And so Marvel Studios was making a Hulk movie. But Universal was still going to be the distributor of that movie. Because remember, this is all happening in 2005, 2006 to make a movie in 2007 that would come out in 2008. This is all before Disney buys Marvel in 2009. So in the early days of the MCU, there were different studios releasing different movies. Like Paramount was releasing the other phase one movies, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America. So Universal became the distributor for Hulk movies, but Marvel had production rights, but Universal maintained its distribution rights. So what that meant was that Marvel, if they wanted to, at any point could make a Hulk movie. But if they did, Disney would not be the ones who would be first in line to distribute and therefore profit from that movie. It would be Universal. So obviously it didn't make sense to Disney to make to have their company, Marvel, make a movie that they would not get to profit from. It would go to a rival studio. So because of that, uh, Marvel has not been able to make Hulk solo movies. What they have been able to do is allow Hulk to be take part in team-up movies in a supporting role And this stuff gets so, it's perfect for She-Hulk attorney at law. This stuff would get so granular in terms of the way it would come down to, because this was an issue for Thor Ragnarok, how big Hulk could be on a poster for Thor Ragnarok. At what point does it flip from being Hulk as a supporting character in somebody else's movie or as part of a team-up versus, okay, what you're really doing here is making a Hulk movie. And then... What we've heard and what's been rumored for recent years, and I think Kevin Feige even alluded to as much, is certain situations had been resolved. We don't really know what that meant, 
And we speculated years ago when they announced the She-Hulk series, well, I guess this must mean, at least as far as television and streaming is concerned, they can do whatever they want with Hulk stuff. And I guess it seems like that's the case, but can they move forward with that in the big screen or on the big screen? I don't know yet. I don't know if we're actually going to see a Hulk movie. I would love to see another Hulk movie. I really, really want to. But there are other ways of doing that, right? If you have Red Hulk or the leader pop up in, well, apparently this series is fair game because they've got Hulk in it, She-Hulk, Abomination. This is all Hulk stuff that they're they're doing here. So Mm -hmm. I guess this is fair game. But if they want to go on the big screen, could it be in another Hulk movie? If that distribution rights situation truly has been resolved, then yes, they could. If If that hasn't been resolved and that's still an issue, well, Red Hulk could still pop up in a different movie that's not a Hulk movie. Um, leader could pop up. Dr. Samuel Stearns could pop up in another movie that's not a Hulk movie. So we'll see how this all shakes out. And I don't know that that's what this stuff means. This is just where my brain went. Um, My brain, not as big as the leader, but like this is just my own obsession with Hulk comics and everything that this is just kind of the way this stuff has gone. And this is the type of thing that, I mean, the leader was always scheming to get some Hulk blood. <laughs> like, it's just, right, this right. is just where it's been uh, in the comic books. Right. And so I, I hope it plays out this way. Uh, and also, Tim Blake Nelson is just one of, like, the, you know, unsung heroes of the early days MCU. Like, I know we only spend a few minutes with him as Dr. Samuel Stearns, but he is so good in that role. And I mm-hmm. remember being so excited when you see like it dripping, this stuff dripping into the open wound on his head because that's what it's all about. Just watch your open wounds around the Hulk unless you want to become one um, With when he, like abomination is created. And you see his brain like start, his head starting to swell. And I remember being so excited about that in 2008 and then it just never went anywhere. And I, I hope that day is coming. I hope this is a sign of it because that just means it's relatively close. But you know, we'll see. I don't want to spend too much time, well, although debatably right. we have already, speculating about the future, but th- this is just where it went for me. Yeah, and I just, for me, it seems like we're headed there with somewhat, with with, ne- with Neymar coming into the picture and mm-hmm. th- those rights. It seems like we're getting to a resolution, kind of like what Kevin, basically I'll say that. I think there's going to be some kind of resolution with it because of, I think with Disney Plus, I think Universal saw the writing on the wall like, you know what, we can only be play this hardball game for so long until they just put it on their own platform and then we're just we're stuck with nothing. So I'll just say that I, I will say this is definitely set up. I don't think like you said, I and I don't think it's all going to pay off in She-Hulk. This is something that I think they're definitely gearing up for more Hulk stuff in different phases that we're going to be getting, which I which I'm excited about. And I do think that. There's lots of different things you could do with these characters. And She-Hulk is just a way of getting us to that point. So even though I was like, what the hell, what this, this, what this, what's this whole like difference in uh, origin thing? I did like how it, he did say that you have to match. There has to be some kind of blood match. It can't just be like, oh, it, it, little blood got on you, you know, or, or right. there is something like that. But it has to be more than that. It has to be because they have the same genetics. That's why she would turn into a Hulk. And the one thing I want to say before we can move on is which I'm excited about. I think World War Hulk or something like that. We're getting Fall of Hulks, whatever. We're getting something like that. Um, I will say that with She-Hulk, what's interesting about the character, in my opinion, is that like 
they did a great job explaining what you know where she is can different and how she is different with with uh, Bruce and everything, but. She is a Hulk and she will Hulk out. And I think that is something that she will have to come to terms with at some point. And if, if, if not in this series, eventually in Avengers films, I keep going back to Avengers disassembled when Wanda like went nuts on the Avengers and everything. And she basically made she Hulk Hulk out and she can do that. She can lose control. Not as much obviously that as her cousin or a, a typical Hulk can for the most part, but, and, and, We'll get into the breakdown of her, all that, what that means for the, for her in general. But she can Hulk out and get extremely strong and all that stuff. So that's still there. And you see that here a little bit. But I do think that will come at some point for a story point in some way or form or another. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, again, it's you just you don't do those things of those teases of it would be real bad if and then that real bad thing if it happened never ever happens or nobody ever tries to make it happen so that's just kind of where you know that that that's tv stuff that's movie stuff that's just well it's storytelling but anyway jen wants to fix this she doesn't want to be a hulk doesn't want to have anything to do with it but bruce is telling her there is no going back and now it's time to have breakfast and a binder so bruce is making pancakes for jen and it just feels like this is a kind of, because they're like the little silver dollar pancakes. It just feels like this is a, a breakfast that Bruce probably made for her when she was a little kid. Because um, they're, I mean, there is, I think, like an 18-year age difference between Ruffalo and Maslani. So I, I don't, not that there's, I don't know in, in the story if that's the age difference. But obviously there is an age gap between the two. And you could just see, um, you know, there's, uh, in addition to the cousin, like there's an older brother type of dynamic there between these two characters that I think is, is very sweet and, and very fun. But then he's laying out with his binder. Uh, it's a multi-year plan. What does that mean? 15 years is Bruce's plan, but that makes sense to us as fans, right? Like that's how long we've been watching this journey with this character, right? Uh, so it, it makes a lot of sense, but obviously, uh, Jennifer Walters is not ready to be that patient. She wants to get back to her life. She wants to go back to being a lawyer and everything that she's worked so hard for paying off her student loan debt and everything else. But, uh, Bruce is, is more of the slow and steady approach. And the first thing they got to do is figure out how, why, when, where she changes, how do they trigger a Hulk out for Jennifer Walters she uh, brings up a pic, put in a Pixar movie, get to the Bing Bong scene from uh, Inside Out, which none of us will ever recover from. Uh, but really, what Bruce points out, though, are the triggers are anger and fear. And then there's that great line from the trailer. Uh, Those are the baselines of any woman existing, uh, is Jennifer Walters' response, which I think we saw evidence of that, right, in the uh, at the Ideal Sports Bar. So it makes sense. But anyway, uh, Banner decides to switch on the buzz saws because when you're in mortal danger, whether you try to or not, subconsciously, it happens. You are going to become a Hulk. And that is the case here where we see She-Hulk, except she is in control. Jennifer Walters is still there, wondering why, when Bruce is saying, easy girl, why she's talking to him like she, why he's talking to her like she's a stray horse. But this is our reveal here of what's different about these two characters. There is no other guy. Uh, that uh, Jennifer Walters has to wrestle with. That's something that Bruce Banner had to struggle with for a decade plus, but that is not going to be the case for Jennifer Walters, which allows him to tear out uh, the first section of uh, the binder. But she also doesn't know how to change back. And Bruce goes through his bit of how, well, he'd fall out of a jet or get knocked out by a robot. Or there was this time for a while where Natasha used to give him the lullaby 
And Jennifer says, walk me through how that worked again. And he says, I don't have a great explanation for it. So I love it. And look, it's not the first time they poked fun at the lullaby. They did it in Thor Ragnarok with Thor giving it to uh, Hulk, which was amazing. Uh, But we didn't really get Bruce's perspective on the lullaby and and why or, or how that worked. And it's certainly been one of the parts of, of Age of Ultron. I don't know that there's been as much debate about it. Uh, there's certainly been plenty of making fun of it. Obviously, Deadpool also made fun of uh, the lullaby outside the MCU, and the Deadpool, of course, on his way into the MCU, presumably uh, with Deadpool 3. And uh, I, I thought it, it was a great bit, you know, and a great callback to the, to the lullaby and just making having some fun with it. And then also when he talked about uh, well, it doesn't always work out that way because there was a time when he was stuck as the other guy for over two years. But in the same way that Hulk likes, that Banner likes to brag about his famous friends, he also likes to brag about when he was over, when he was Hulk for over two years, that was in outer space. Uh, so just let him, let Jennifer know that uh, her cousin is well-traveled. And, um, but then we get to, I think all of this stuff, this back and forth is really, really funny but I think this is where the episode does a great job of just pulling into uh, some of the more emotional aspects of it and what Bruce Banner is really getting at here because you could say he's just being the the older cousin who thinks he knows better for no reason. But no, it is rooted in experience and it's rooted in traumatic experience for Banner that we have seen him dealing with and we have seen him haunted by in the MCU. And again, they don't beat us over the head with it, but the point is well made when he says, when he talks about, it's not even about Hulk rage, just regular anger. When you're this strong, when you're this powerful, it creates death and destruction. And he makes that point of when people start seeing you as a monster, that never goes away. And that's a great, I mean, great VFX to capture the performance by Mark Ruffalo here and and the way he says that line. And again, the facial performance that they pick up with the, the VFX does a great job. Because we just know how much that hurt Banner and seeing himself as a monster, being seen as a monster and, and hating the way that he was seen, which is part of why the other guy had so much fun on Sakaar in Thor Ragnarok in outer space for over two years because that's the first time that Hulk was ever celebrated by a large group of people as opposed to being treated as uh, an absolute monster who had to hide himself away from the world. So Uh, That is what Bruce is getting at here. It's not just, I think I know better because I'm older. It's just, I've been hurt by this and and I don't want to see that happen to you. Um, So that's the really, you know, that's the genuine care that that Bruce has for his cousin that he's trying, you know, that's the future he's trying to spare her from. Man, there's a lot here that, I'm just going to say this, that there's a big for me when I when he was talking to Jennifer about it and she was talking to him, I just got this kind of echoes of the emotional trauma that I when I put into it from the reading the comic books and and I put a lot of the Peter David run, um, mm-hmm. Bill Mantlo, um, and also the Al Ewing run from Immortal Hulk, which is phenomenal. Maybe some of the best Marvel comics ever, in my opinion. Really play on the emotional trauma that Bruce has gone through that I think that he's assuming that people have, that's why the Hulk exists. Hulk exists for many different reasons that the comics have gone in and out about. But to me, when he was, when he's talking to her and she's responding to him back, I don't have that other guy. I I think what he's saying to her, she's saying to him is, you know, to me is that I don't have the same traumatic things. She has different traumatic things. She says, you know, being a woman, like she says, um, and this is what she has to go through. 
but with with Bruce, there's a lot more deep rooted like darkness in his life specifically. And I think that to me was what she's trying to say to him. I don't have those things that you have. And they don't say that necessarily hero here. And they don't have to. But I think that to me is what I read into it a little bit. And I thought that was good. I, I thought you really emphasize why I think Jen is different because you know, we will we'll touch on the strength here in a little bit, but I think those are, these are all big things for, um, for the character to establish the fact that she is very much different than Bruce. And there is a, or I, the differences are big enough to where it, it's, it's going to matter in how they are as Hulks too, in my opinion. And so that's where I kind of land into it. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's very much a, uh, I explained really well of why she is different as far as just even the fact she transforms differently. So right. that all worked for me. Yeah. And I think it's important to see multiple things being true at the same time. Like it's very true that Jennifer Walters is different in how she becomes a Hulk and the fact that there is no other person and, and what it points out to, and I think what it, or at least what it alludes to. And, and I really like this. You mentioned like the Peter David run, and everything. And I think the MCU has done a really good job. I mean, they haven't gone as deep or as dark into that material as they could have, but I think the MCU in its own way has done a, a pretty good job in those moments. I mean, I, I I go back to that moment in the Avengers when Bruce Banner mentions his suicide attempt. And they did uh, I think a great job of showing the the inherent the tragic nature of Bruce Banner being the Hulk in that struggle. And the way they had the warring personalities as we saw that kind of play out in Infinity War. And then, of course, we saw the resolution in Endgame. And now we kind of find out at least more where uh, that actually took place um, during the blip. But anyway, uh, I think they've hinted at that trauma. But also, I think what it does a good job of showing is why things are different, right? That Bruce Banner didn't have all of these struggles just because he was a Hulk. There was other things. There was other trauma that made his experience this way and made his experience unique. And his experience is not going to, and that's why Jennifer Walters, who doesn't have, I mean, she mentions, yes, there are other things that she has to deal with, um, but it's not the same as, as what Bruce Banner went through. And so their different experiences as human beings points to their different experiences as Hulks at the same time, even though it's going to be different, that doesn't mean that and even though a lot of Bruce's experience won't be applicable to Jennifer Walters, there's a lot that still is. And that's kind of the the balance that these characters are are struggling to achieve. And, and Jennifer Walters is understandably impatient about it in wanting to uh, get back to her life. But Bruce is trying to get her to slow down with dialectical behavioral therapy, which she makes fun of, uh, saying it's all about holding in your farts. And then eventually, you know, it's about getting your butt tight. And then he points out, gross, Jen, I'm your cousin. Uh, and then they give Bruce gives up on that approach and then goes to when Jennifer is sleeping air horn. She hulks out, has a normal amount of rage title of the episode. Uh, and then Hulk starts educating her about some of the basics of being a Hulk. You're going to need to reinforce your furniture. Don't live in a place that has, you know, ceilings that are under 10 feet. And of course, spandex is your best friend. And then it's time to try out some different powers. And so and what it allows you to do. So there's the boulder toss. This is such a great moment that, Hulk has his casual boulder toss, then Jennifer or She-Hulk throws it farther, and we see how petty and jealous Bruce gets. I mean, he admitted to being jealous earlier when he just the fact that she didn't have to deal with another guy. Uh, he throws a gigantic boulder uh, out into space, 
which is probably going to end up like killing a planet somewhere. I don't know. Bad move, Hulk. But uh, anyway, it'll burn up. Yeah, it'll be fine. But no, the uh, the, the petty jealousy, though, of uh, of Banner as, as Hulk, I, I thought was a lot of fun. And then like when he tries to show her about balance and obviously she's a lot better at that than he is. And then with the ground strike and then he gives her the shove off the cliff that we saw in the trailer, followed by the middle finger that's not blurred out in the show like it was in the trailer. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. But then he's still educating her about some you know, petty jealousy aside. He is trying to educate her about some basic principles of being a superhero, even though she doesn't want to be one, that having this kind of power, it puts a target on your back in the backs of those you care about, uh, which also points to you know, reasons why Bruce has isolated himself from his family for such a long period of time. Uh, and also, again, target on your back. Bad idea if somebody, you know, really bad thing if somebody gets your, uh, gets your blood, blah, blah, blah. All of these things coming back to you and, and teasing the threats uh, that are, are coming the way of uh, Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk. But it's not all downsides. There are some upsides, including how quickly they metabolize alcohol, which means they get to have all buzz, no bar, uh, no barf uh, at the bar that Bruce built while Tony drank, sat around and complained about Steve. I love this so much. I, I love their initials BB and TS carved into the bar. And I know eventually uh, when they have to rebuild the bar, Jen puts her initial her JW initials in there. Um, but I, I know it's it's like a throwaway comedic line, but that it's I don't know. There's something about it that's very heartfelt, too, that becomes, you know, that much clearer when he says it was a good time during a hard time because that was right that's what he's referring to there they're building that bar that's during the blip that's during the five years where half of the world has disappeared including a lot of people that bruce banner and tony stark love dearly uh, but this was some this was this quiet place where as difficult as times were like they could take they could find some peace some solace and and have a, a little bit of a good time and, and allow themselves a little bit of happiness obviously tony found that as well uh with pepper and, and being able to have a daughter and, and morgan but that line uh, it was a good time during a hard time which jennifer toast to uh, i thought was really great but just knowing that tony was there complaining about steve during the five years as he said you know that resentment it was corrosive and that was uh, that was a piece of it there. Uh, you know, that some of that corrosion was happening during the good time, uh, you know, at that good time during a hard time at uh, Bruce's bar down in Mexico. Yeah, this all is great. And I think, again, going back to we talked about how different their experiences are, because the more the more in line with your uh, your 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 inner self, I feel like you're the, the less strong of a Hulk you are. And I definitely have gotten shades of the fact that this, and I don't call him Smart Hulk for the for, for those who don't know. It's I I, ugh, I cringe when I heard Smart Hulk. Um, you know, Professor Hulk is what I'll always refer to this version. Um, but this, the more in tune with your with their mind they are, the lesser of strength they have. That's why the the Savage Hulk will always be the strongest. And the Hulk, as obviously as a Hulk, stronger they get, the matter they get, the stronger they get. So. If you go to, to Joe Fixit, the Grey Hulk, he is, you know, the weakest of probably of all of Bruce Banner's personas because he's he has more of a personality, uh, even more of a stronger personality than I think Professor Hulk. Um, so 
I think there is the more in line you are with like I think your your own like self. There is a little bit more. You're not going to be as strong. It's, I, I've always associated those two things together, and I feel like you know, and also like Hulk is just he's naturally just a stronger character than Jen, and it shows that here. You know, it's not like they're trying to show that Jen is better than him than everything. There are things she's better at, and yeah. obviously she's more. She can have she can have a normal life. Before even he did. Yeah. I mean, and she's definitely got him beaten in balance and agility. Uh, no, exactly. <laughs> no question yeah. about that. Right. So there's going to be differences. So I, I just, I like the way that there was, they're, they're consistent with the strength levels as far as, and I think of how they're working and how, at least again, in the comic books anyway, how it works and in, in, in their, their levels and, and how, what it means and everything. So it all worked for me. I thought this was great. And again, it shows you the differences of the characters that one is not better than the other as far as overall, but like they're just different. And I think they did a great, that's one thing I love about this whole bar scene overall of her time with Bruce as Hulks. And I thought this was greatly paced and I thought it was a great way of showing Pete, the mainstream audience why why it's so, they're so different and why it works and why it's not just a carbon copy like, oh, just make it a female version of the Hulk. Like That's not it at all. And that's what makes She-Hulk, I think, a really interesting character. It's just not a female version of the Hulk. It's a much different, much different character. Yeah. Um, as far as my stance on the Smart Hulk versus Professor Hulk issue, they've always been inter- interchangeable to me. Like as a kid, I use both and you know, even had the Toy Biz action figure that was officially branded uh, Smart Hulk, by the way. So Marvel Studios isn't the first one to use that for official yeah. branding. But even Kevin Feige, I think, mentioned that. Year, yeah, Kevin Feige years ago mentioned that, yeah, their, they, their official name for it is Smart Hulk. And they, they make it clear here uh, in, in the MCU. Ooh. I'm fine. They're both cool to me. I don't care. It's Hulk. Uh, does, does not matter. A Hulk by any other name is still just as awesome. So anyway... Um, yeah, I, I think the the differences between the two of them are great, but I, I think that so much of the focus of this episode is what Jennifer Walters has to learn from Bruce Banner and his experience. And there's a lot there that's perfectly valid and that's worth you know her learning and and you know being able to apply that to her experience. Not you know, not all of it is applicable, but some of it is, and it's worth noting. At the same time, though, I think what we'll see. Uh, throughout, and I'm not necessarily saying for this specific series, just over time in the MCU from a broader perspective and these characters going forward, I think there's a lot that Bruce Banner has to learn from Jennifer Walters' experience, like how to maybe not be seen as a monster and how to be able, because this whole thing of different in a better way, right? When she mentions that, and I know it's just a joke about her blood and the way it synthesizes gamma radiation and it was able to use, Hulk was able to use that to heal his arm. Okay, great. But different in a better way can also refer to that experience for Jennifer Walters because it is different in a better way uh, as far as how she gets to live her life as She-Hulk. We see, I'm not spoiling anything from upcoming episodes. You've, it's in the trailers. You see that she goes back and has a job. You see that she still has friends. She still has a social life. She still has a lot of things that Bruce Banner didn't have. I mean, his entire social life, his entire social circle basically was the Avengers. And that was kind of it. Uh, until like, and even then didn't have that much of a social circle celebrated on Sakaar, but we don't necessarily get the impression that Hulk had a ton of friends there. And, and so I think with Jennifer Walters, like she gets to have a more complete life while still being a Hulk compared to what Banner did. And maybe Banner will see that and maybe he'll be able to have that. So just something hopeful and optimistic for Bruce Banner, that, that idea of, you know, once you're seen as a monster that never goes away, 
well, maybe it can go away or fade enough for Bruce Banner to not necessarily uh, feel like he needs to be in isolation all the time. So, you know, maybe pointing to a better future for uh, mm. for Bruce Banner. But anyway, uh, moving on, because Banner is talking about being a superhero, and she says that's not what she wants to be. Banner makes the point, well, there are only so many of us like, you know, like this who have this amount of power. So when Earth needs to be defended, like, this is what we do, because so we're among the few who are capable of defending Earth from the threats that inevitably come. Uh, and, and obviously, Jennifer Walters is going to be a superhero because what she's going to find out uh, and she's going to be tested by the end of this episode. When a superhero is needed, it's not like she can refuse the call. There's no way she's going to do it, uh, which I think is what Bruce knows. And maybe Jennifer is denying at this point. But she wants to help the world in the way that she set out to do as an attorney. And Bruce is saying she needs to control her anger. And she makes a great point about how she is so much more, uh, she is so much better at that and so much more experience and so much more expertise in that than Bruce could ever have when she talks about dealing with cat calls and then incompetent men explaining her areas of expertise to her. And if she ever showed any anger about any of that, she'd be called emotional or difficult, or she might just literally get murdered. Um, all valid points made by Jennifer Walters, and Bruce hears all of that and realizes that, yeah, Jennifer Walters, uh, pretty experienced when it comes to controlling her anger. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, Bruce thinks there's more to teach. Jen doesn't think so. She's ready to borrow the Jeep and go back to L.A. And Jen calls out Bruce for not dealing with his trauma for 10 years and how he just chose uh, living in isolation and all of these very hurtful things that also have some truth to them. Um, and Jennifer just Jennifer Walters does not want that life. And Bruce asks her to uh, to reconsider leaving. She reconsiders very quickly and then runs him over with the Jeep. Uh, which he is not happy about. And this leads to a Hulk versus She-Hulk fight that ends in variations of Hulk claps. So we see the big one from uh, Smart Hulk, and then we see the more sonic one from She-Hulk, which is a weakness of Hulk, and that's why it creates a little bit of that issue. And then they eventually tackle each other and destroy Bruce's bar that they will have to rebuild. Um, but Hulk versus She-Hulk, you have to have that fight. You can't have two Hulks in a show and not have them fight. Yep. Uh, and the way this one played out, the action was cool. Uh, also, some really good comedic bits, like with the coconuts, with the palm tree or whatever. Like, all of that was really good. And then ending it with uh, destroying the bar, uh, I thought was, all of that worked for me. Great, great little, you know, Hulk versus Hulk mini fight. It was a great mini fight. And seeing the thunderclaps of both characters was great. I, because that is one of Hulk's signature moves, is a thunderclap. Oh, yeah. And so I, yeah, I'm all about that. And, and Jennifer Walters had a different, you know, different kind of power of the, of the Sonic. Like you said, more, it's more of a Sonic thing of hurting his ears than the pure, you know, pure wind of, of, of a hurricane being thrown at you, like with the Hulk. So I, I loved all that. Um, again, you, you have to show it. It's fun. You, again, you want to show the differences. Again, you're showing the differences of the characters in a very natural way. I thought was perfect. And again, you're, you're, you're going with the fact that Jennifer Walters is more in control as She-Hulk. Now, there is, there, I'm not sure how different she's going to be as She-Hulk. There are going to be differences. It's, she's not going to be one for one. There is going to accentuate some characteristics of, you know, of her personality, but it's going to be more in control, like what they're saying. And so I did like the fact that they use the fact that, you know, she's been holding it in for, you know, because women for a long time have just have dealt with this. You know, my wife has told me repeatedly this before the show ever aired in, you know, 
many, many times this is what's, what she dealt with and deals with over, you know, all the time. So it was just hearing to say that. I was like, yep, I, I totally make sense why she's way more in control of everything than in Bruce. And again, bring up the trauma aspect, you know, not what I was talking about earlier, but more it's similar still, nonetheless, the fact that Bruce has problems dealing with trauma. That's why the Hulk is the way he is. And I like the fact they're going with that route and they're showing you that Jennifer Walters doesn't have that necessarily. And she has a different side of her personality. That's why she's able to be She-Hulk, which loved all that, loved the fight. I thought it ended great as well. Yeah, it was perfect. And also like the sympathetic thing, right? Like Jennifer Walters does stay to rebuild the bar when he says like, you're going to rebuild it. And because she knows she kind of has to, right? Like she knows that, yes, she wanted to go and all of her reasons for wanting to go and get back to her life are are valid, but um, that bar meant a lot to Bruce. And so she has, you know, the good time during a hard time. So I like that she, of course, stays to uh, to repair it. And now cooler heads get a chance to prevail. And uh, Hulk says to her, you know, if she wants to go back to her her lawyer life, like he gets it, he understands and then we get what is chronologically uh, appears to be the first fourth wall break, which we saw in the trailer uh, when Jen says uh, when she when she Hulk turns the camera and says uh, he doesn't mean that. And then Hulk hears it and she even notices that she say, says it like looks back to the camera like, oh, that was weird. And like, that's the thing I'm doing now. Um, so Jennifer Walters wasn't necessarily breaking the fourth wall uh, before she became she Hulk. And Again, I don't think they're really pointing at some heightened awareness now that like because she's She-Hulk, she's now aware that she's a fictional character uh, and that's how it happened. I don't really think they're trying to deal with the mechanics of it. It's just, oh, that was weird, but let's go. Like, But this is what we're doing now, so uh, we get on with it, which I think is totally uh, the right way, uh, totally the right way to do it. Um, I thought, I, I, I think you're insinuating, I don't think if her becoming She-Hulk, it allows her to do that, but kind of insinuating maybe that that's kind of where it gave her that sense. I, I do like that. I'm not saying it did, yeah. but I like the fact they're kind of like just having fun with it. Like, oh, it was like an extra power, like a, a, almost like a joke, in my opinion. I, I don't take it that seriously. Yeah. I, I thought that was a well, I thought it was perfectly perfectly set up and well done. The fact that she's like, oh yeah, I'm a She-Hulk. Let me explain why. Because I can I can talk to you because I it became She-Hulk. I, I I just like that. I thought it worked for me. Yeah. I, I think well. In that sense, yes, what I'm what I'm getting at here is I don't think it's like this heightened power to where it's not a power that I think she could talk to anybody else about, right? Like, I don't think she can tell anybody, hey, did you know that we're all in a story and people are watching us? <laughs> like, I realized that when I became She-Hulk. That's, that's what I'm getting at there. Um, but anyway, the way they did it, I thought was just, yeah, introduce it and have it be kind of a, a little weird, a little off because it's new, but just roll with it. And uh, that's... That is what they do in this series, and I, I appreciate it. So anyway, uh, we get to uh, it is time to part ways, and there's a hug between Smart Hulk and his cousin Jennifer Walters, a sea of fuzzball, and off she goes back to L.A., which brings us to the present day, and what she wants us to take away from all of that is she was right, Bruce was wrong, and Jennifer Walters will never have to be a Hulk, and now she's going to go win this case. And then she says back, she whispers back to us, lawyer show which is a great point because that is that's jennifer walter saying this is a lawyer show not a superhero show until uh jennifer walters is ready to make her closing argument and all of a sudden titania comes barging in and jen has to deal with this uh, she's gonna have to become she hulk to stop her it's her civic duty as nikki points out nikki then of course rightfully saves jen's shoes because we know what happens when she hulks out and the shoes are on 
Uh, that's how you end up barefoot in a public bathroom, which nobody really wants to do. Uh, so Nikki with the key save there, also reminding Jennifer Walters of the civic duty. So she takes out Titania. Very quick action beat, but I thought it worked. I liked it. And then the music comes in. Eve's Who's That Girl? And then Jennifer Walters goes back to uh, her lawyerly self, puts her shoes back on, and says that she is ready to give her closing argument now. And the credits start rolling. I I love everything about this because I, I think it was Jennifer Walters being wrong that she was going to have to be She-Hulk. She, she was going to have to be a superhero because she can't not be. Inevitably, this is the MCU. This is the world that these characters live in. Other superpowered people are going to come into the equation and they are not necessarily going to have the best of intentions. And you can't just sit there and not do anything when you have the power to protect. And that's it goes back to the speech that she made at the very beginning of the episode where she talks about the obligation of those with power. And one of the things she says is that it is an op- one of those obligations is that the people with power need to protect those who don't have power. So she has power. So in this situation, and so does Titania. So when these other people who are there in the courtroom are uh, who are powerless in this uh, situation, she has a duty as someone with power to a civic duty, if you will, to protect those people. Um, so she has to act. And so the minute she became She-Hulk was also the minute she became destined to be a superhero because that's who she is. And I, I like that it's not, she doesn't treat it as like, oh, now my life sucks because I'm going to have to be She-Hulk. It's like, no, this was kind of awesome. Like, I, I wanted to be right about not having to be a Hulk again, but Turns out I was wrong. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to be a superhero sometimes. Uh, but also, this was kind of awesome, and I'm still okay, uh, and I'm ready to get back to, I, I can do this. I can step in and be a superhero for a second, and I can go back to being Jennifer Walters' lawyer, uh, Jennifer Walters' attorney at law the next second. Uh, so a great closing scene, you know, not counting the tag, which we'll get to, a uh, great closing scene to this first episode. Yeah, I, I love seeing Titania show up. Um, I can't wait to see her come back again. Um, yeah, I, I, I love this. This, this. You know, not talking about the end credit scene. Um, I, I love the way this ended. I thought, again, the pacing was perfect. The ending was perfect. It, I really I really enjoyed this show, and I can't wait to keep watching more and more. I thought the CGI was great. I didn't have any complaints. Um, CGI didn't look great in the first trailers, but definitely it, look, it looks good enough for me now. It's only going to, for me, it's probably only going to get better as far as maybe not episode to episode, but as more she appears in every series or every film. It Just like what Bruce looks great, you know, now she's going to look better and better. She already looks fine for me now. And I, I, I knew I was going to enjoy this, but I am really enjoying this. I'm looking, so looking forward to next week. So, I yeah, I love the show. A breath of fresh air for the MCU, and I'm hoping with more stuff like this, the MCU could still stay fresh and, re- and relevant through these different characters like She-Hulk and Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, and and, and expand on these characters and the different uh, st- styles of stories we're getting. I love it. We need it to keep it fresh, and uh, yeah, I can't wait for next week. Yeah, Jamila Jamila's Titania like doesn't get a lot of screen time in this episode. Really don't have uh, much question that she'll be back later on because you don't cast her to be there for two seconds. Uh, but I just liked her reaction to it. Like, and who the hell are you? Like, just and so nonchalant and just unimpressed by it. Um, and that's also just part of the MCU where someone can become She-Hulk in the middle of the courtroom and there's another superpowered person there who just couldn't care less until they get their ass kicked. 
Um, but yeah, great, great closing scene to a just a fantastic, a sensational, if you will, first episode uh, for She-Hulk. I, I, I just I, I couldn't have been any more entertained uh, by it than, than I was. Um, and as I said, I've rewatched this a, a few times and just continue to really enjoy this episode. And uh, I think that will be a, a similar case, similar result as we watch future episodes of this. And then when we get to the mid credit scene, we have Jen, who is pretending to be drunk, uh, being just so sad, so distraught at the idea that America's ass died a virgin. And then Bruce says that Steve met a girl and lost his virginity on a US, uh, USO tour in 1943, to which Jen says, uh, gleefully says she knew it. Captain America, and then cut. Uh, so <laughs> I think they did such a good job with this bit. Like, I wasn't sure about it when they first went into it. Because when it goes into, like, internet fan debates, like Reddit and Twitter debates yeah. about the MCU, uh, you tow that line and it's like, oh, we don't have to acknowledge all of, like, all of the silly conversations that fans have online so when it first came into it in the episode, I was just, I, I don't know, I, w I was like, oh, are they really going to do this? But then by the time we even got through it in that first scene, and she was just making her case to try and force Bruce into saying something, I was already be, uh, at that point, like I was already pretty entertained by it. So when you get to the, the final payoff with this tag, it worked. And honestly, the way they end it, and I know they don't have her finish the word, but the way she phrases that at the end, I cracked up. So I am totally here for it. I was a little suspicious of this bit when it first started, but then the way they executed it with a lot of that, of course, having to do with Tatiana Maslany, it ended up being a, a total win. Uh, it was absolutely hilarious, and I, I loved it. And it's also the kind of thing that She-Hulk comics would do, right? Like, I go back mm -hmm. to, like, the Dan Slott run, the Charles Soule run, and that's part of the irreverence of She-Hulk is just pointing out some of the silly things and silly questions about the MCU details you didn't really need to know as a fan, um, you know, and some of it like supplemental information or too much information, whatever you, uh, however you may feel about it and just being able to make a good joke out of it. That's just part of it with She-Hulk. And I think this series uh, has captured that very, very well and in including, you know, this, this bit that culminates in the mid credit scene. I am not one for I did not like when they were talking about his like, you know, did he lose his virginity? I, I just was like, OK, and like, like you said, I'm just not that's not my thing. I'm not saying other people can't like it or you know whatever. So it was just like, OK, I get it. We have to you know, this is stupid. I just kind of just dismissed it. One of my least favorite parts of that episode at the time. Now, that was obviously set up to get to that part because that is way funnier and and more. It feels because they're, they're, they're drunk or they've been drinking. It's, it's just, it just yeah. feels more natural for them to bring it up in that point. Yeah, well, except she's like, not because she's she's just pretending to be and hoping she gets. I think Bruce only tells her this because he, he thinks she's so drunk that she won't remember. And then she reveals that, yeah, she's uh, not drunk. She she tricked him into revealing that. Well, either way, it just felt way more natural and way like, and, and the execution of it was way better. And I, I, now, I don't mind it as much now because it was set up it was meant to set up that, which again, that worked. So that was my, at the time, my least favorite part of the episode and it maybe still is. And that's like, but it pays off beautifully that I, I laughed out loud at the end credit scene. Yeah, so yeah it was great. It, it was great. And just, 
you know, a, a great little, you know, great little piece to end the uh, the first what was just an outstanding first episode. I think She-Hulk has come out so incredibly strong, no pun intended on either incredibly or strong uh, with just this very first episode. And and we've kind of had that this year. I mean, I, I think Miss Marvel certainly had a, a great first episode. We're seeing this again here with uh, with She-Hulk. And I, I will say, you know, going forward, there's plenty to be excited about in the next three episodes that I have seen, and I'm looking forward to seeing them again and being able to talk about them on these spoiler reviews. Um, but this was just, it was really, really great. And and I, I wouldn't say that I, I went into this series with low expectations, because as I said, I love the casting, and I loved everything about the trailers, except for some of the VFX in the, the very first trailer. But I was... Already pleasantly surprised by the marked improvement in the Comic-Con trailer. And as we're getting the finished product, it just continues to look better. And it's even more improvement than I thought they'd be able to pull off. Um, so shame on me for underestimating this team. They were able to get it done. But as far as the casting, the creative team, everything about that, uh, that's what was keeping me uh, excited about this series. Uh, and that certainly all paid off big time uh, in what we saw from the writing, the direction, the performances, uh, everything about this episode uh, was uh, everything about a normal amount of rage was on point, And I can't wait to see more of She-Hulk attorney at law. But that is where we will wrap up this edition of MCU Fan Show. Make sure you check out Fan Show Plus at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MCU Fan Show. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, please go to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Comic Binge, where we uh, break down and talk about comic books that we all love. And I have a dedicated MCU area for all kinds of stories. If you're into these uh, shows called the MCU Required Reading, uh, it's, a, it's a playlist. Go on there. Um, we just did uh, – what did we do the other day? We did, we did Doctor Strange and then um, – Oh my gosh, I forgot the, uh, the Thor. We just did Thor recently. And then we're going to be doing a, uh, a Daredevil one soon, uh, which will be other, for, for reasons. Uh, I'll announce here we'll be doing uh, the Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale Daredevil Yellow series. We're going to be analyzing that and why it's important, I think, for the uh, MCU coming forward. So go ahead and uh, look forward to that next month and uh, check out the other videos as well. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.